Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So have you ever started something with the best of intentions? Maybe, maybe uh, you joined a gym or you started a, a new diet or an exercise regimen. And you started out with great hopes and great ambitions. Maybe you did it as a New Year's resolution, but you didn't see any results right away. And, and the more you did it and the less you saw as a result for it, you kind of just lost interest and gave up on the whole thing. Or, or maybe there was some huge change that you, know, you knew you needed to make in your life. Maybe it was overcoming a bad habit or, or dealing with an addiction. Or, or, um, or maybe it was getting out of debt or, or, or taking a new career move, something like that. But it was just so huge and it just seemed so, so overwhelming to you that you just, you, you never really started because you just thought, I'm never going to make it. Anybody ever done either of those two scenarios, felt those things? Okay. Well, you're in good company. Okay. You're not alone. And, and we said this year that we, we want this to be a year of growth. Growth in our church, growth in our, in our walk with Christ, growth in every way. And, um, and that, that means change. And that means change. And Jesus talked about that. We're beginning this morning, the second half of our study through the book of Luke. We left off in chapter 12 um, last fall, then went through Christmas. And, and we're going back into the second, uh, second half of Luke's gospel. And, and it, it's, it's just, it's a perfect place to start. Because the passage we're going to look at this morning is a passage where Jesus talked about change. He talked about growth. And he said there's some dynamics that you need to understand about how you grow. How the kingdom of God grows in you. How your faith and how your spiritual walk grows. There's some real dynamics here. And it's really, really very simple. In fact, it's one of the stories that he told. One of the parables he told. Two of them back to back. And they're probably the two shortest stories that he ever told. Luke 13, beginning in verse 18, he says this. Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. And it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again, he asked, what, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. Until it worked all through the dough. Okay. <laughs> what in the world was that all about? It's about growth. It's about change. It's about how the kingdom of God comes about. Worldwide and, and in your own life. And there are two very, very short stories. And you think, well, man, there can't be a whole lot there. How's he going to preach on that for 20 minutes or so? Okay. Trust me, I can do it. Um, no, there's some real dynamics involved here. And, and if you think about this and really kind of look at what Jesus is saying, he's saying there's some dynamics, there's some things you need to understand. If you have ever failed at making a change, if you have ever faced up to something and fell flat on your face, if you've ever thought you wanted to do something different but didn't have the stamina or just kind of gave up on the whole thing, if you have ever felt that way, which is just about everyone in this room, he says there's some things you need to understand about the dynamics of growth and change. And the first one is you need to understand God is for you and he wants you to grow. It's about the kingdom of God. And God is for you. He wants to see you grow because anything that is living and anything that is healthy will grow. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to live healthy lives. 
He wants our spiritual lives to be healthy and growing. It's all about growth. That's what both of these things have in common. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed which a man took, planted in his garden, and it grew. It grew and became a tree. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed through about 60 pounds of flour, and it worked all through the dough. Now, let me give you a definition of the kingdom of God, because that seems so amorphous, and it's just kind of way out there, and what does he mean by the kingdom of God? So let me give you a real simple definition of it this morning. The kingdom of God is anywhere where God's presence and God's authority is recognized and given first place. So that means the kingdom of God worldwide the faith of all believers, all who call Christ their Lord, that's the kingdom of God. It comes down to a local church congregation, a meeting of, of God's people like we are this morning. It's in here. There's some growth that should be taking place. But it also comes down to your very life. It's every aspect of your life in which you begin to say, okay, I give up. I, I, I'm, I'm giving you authority in this area of my life. I can't handle this one by myself. It's anywhere and anytime God's presence and God's authority is recognized and given first place. So that's what he's talking about. The kingdom of God. It's the work of God in your life. And, and Jesus tells this story at a very, very important time in his ministry. He's about two and a half, maybe a little bit more than two and a half years into his ministry. He is actually on his final journey to Jerusalem, where he is going to be arrested, where he is going to be crucified, where he's going to rise from the dead. And he is preparing his followers because he's saying, he, he, knows, he knows that in a few short months, in a few short months, it's going to look like the kingdom of God has died. It's going to look like it's all over, that there's nothing left because they were all looking to him to usher in the kingdom of God. And Jesus knew he was going to be crucified. He says, I want you to understand, it's going to start small. It's at a time when actually his popularity is growing and crowds of people are following him. But he knows that's not going to be the case before too long. And he wants his followers, his disciples to know the kingdom of God is not all about these big crowds. The kingdom of God starts something very, very small. Yes, it's about growth, but it starts very small. Big results don't always require big beginnings. Pastor Larry and Pastor Jesse um, are training right now to run in a marathon. And, uh, and I applaud it. And I would, love, I would love to join them in that. But the problem is the marathon is going to be on a Sunday and somebody has to provide spiritual leadership around here. <laughs> so as much as I would love to be a part of all of that, no, no. Honestly, you want to know my philosophy about running? You shouldn't have to run unless somebody's chasing you with a machete. <laughs> Other than that, walking is fine. Okay? But here's the deal. They could not go out and just run a marathon. They are in training. They started training months ago. Because it starts small. You got to work yourself up to that. You got to start running a little bit each day. You got to build those muscles. You got to start doing those kinds of things. You got to start eating in a different way. You got to do all this. You got to go into training because, yeah, you're going to run a marathon, but you can't get up and do it tomorrow morning. It starts small. And that's what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God starts small. It starts small in you, it started small in human history. It's going to grow, but understand, it doesn't have to start big. It can start small. It can start small in you. And that's the thing that you need to understand. There's a dynamic that, that says, it's going to start small, but God is for you. He's going to be with you. Don't give up. 
Keep pushing through. And no matter how many times you've met a failure, no matter how many times you might stumble or fall flat on your face, God is still for you. God is still for you. Jesus introduced a concept that was not a part of Jewish understanding of God at all. He introduced the concept of God as Father. And not big, mean, grumpy Father, but Abba Father. That was something brand new. Nobody ever thought of God in that way. But Jesus introduced this concept of Abba Father. And that word Abba, it's, it's not formal. In fact, it's, it's, it's the words of a baby, of a young child, Papa or Daddy. That that's how God looks at us. In fact, John picked it up in his, his letter. He said, what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. And like a father, he delights in watching you grow. He delights in you taking those steps. He finds joy in that. We, we, uh, this past year, uh, we, we had our second grandchildren. We did nothing about it. it our daughter did all the work, but we have our second grandchild now, and he's a little more than seven months, and just recently now he has started crawling, and it is amazing how we cheer. You know, when he learned to roll over, he's rolling over. Ah, now he's crawling. He's crawling now. Wow. That's, you know why we cheer at that? Because we see he's growing. He's healthy. He's making progress. Now, a 16-year-old rolling over would not get us so excited. Unless, of course, you're a parent of a 16-year-old and you would be very happy if they rolled over and got out of bed. I don't know. (laughs) But we don't generally cheer that because that's kind of expected. But when a baby takes those first steps, starts crawling, takes those one or two steps, even when they stumble, we don't beat them up and give them a spanking or yell and put them in the corner for a timeout because they fell. We celebrate. You took two steps. He's walking. In a couple of months... Our grandson is going to start walking, and we are going to cheer, and we are going to celebrate for a few days, <laughs> and then we're going to be chasing him all over the place, but, but you see, that's, that's the delight, that delight that you as a parent or as a grandparent have experienced, that's the delight that God sees in you when you take steps of faith, even when you stumble, even when you fall on your face and you think, God, what am I doing here? You see, but you took two steps. He's for you, and he longs to see you grow. He loves every step you take in his direction. And that's a dynamic of the, of the spiritual growth, and you need to understand that. Second one is this. You can't manufacture growth. It's not mechanical. It's not something you can force. You can't manufacture growth, but... You can provide the right conditions. So you can't force it to grow. There's no accident in the, in the metaphors that Jesus chooses. with. He uses very organic metaphors. He says that it's like a mustard seed that a man took and planted in his garden. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into the dough. He uses very organic pictures to help us understand this is something that happens organically. You can't make it happen. You can't plant the seed and say, now Grow. It doesn't work that way. You don't put the yeast into the dough and work and say, now rise. It doesn't work that way. It's not 
You, you can't manufacture it. You can't make it happen. But you can provide the right conditions for that to happen. Jesus told many stories um, agriculturally to explain the kingdom of God. We looked at one back in uh, Luke chapter 8 last fall. And he talked about this whole idea of, of the word of God as being a seed that is planted. And he described three different types of soil. That the seed goes out. It's the same seed. It's planted. It's scattered out there. But some of it falls on hard path where it's trampled on and the seed doesn't penetrate and nothing happens with it. And, and some of it falls in, in, in rocky soil where it, it gets its root and it begins to start. But, but the soil is so bad that it can't sustain life and it grows for a little bit and then it withers and dies. And he says sometimes the seed is like it's planted but there's all kinds of weeds and thorns that just choke the life out of it. So the key to this growth, carrying that same seed analogy, that same seed metaphor is you can't manufacture it, but you can provide the right conditions. You can work the soil. The hard path. It's people who've been trampled by life. Gone through tough times. Trampled on by people. Just, just so, so overwhelmed that you just feel like, how can there be a God? It's a hard thing for the seed to penetrate that kind of soil. But you can prepare the soil for it. How do you prepare soil that's, that's hard path? You break it up. You loosen it up. And the way that you do that, that's the discipline. We talked last week about three disciplines. It's a discipline of prayer. There is nothing that softens your heart towards God like prayer. And whether it's confession to say, God, I have hardened my own heart and I need some softening right here. Or it's something that you've gone through or an experience that someone has, has treated you wrongly. And, and it just kind of made you hard towards God. Prayer opens up that. It, it softens the soil. He says, those along the path here and when the devil comes and takes the word from their hearts. How do you keep that from happening? Prayer is such a vital part of it. That's why it's part of this new year that we're encouraging everybody to take part in. Regular time with God. There is something that happens when I take the morning, the early morning, the first part of my day. And if you're not a morning person, I said last week, don't do it. But I really encourage you, if you can, to, to, to get up a little bit early in just 15 minutes. There is something about that first 15, 20 minutes or so of the day that I invite God into my day, that I make myself aware of his presence, that just reminds me throughout the day that he is with me. It helps keep the soil of my heart soft toward his word. He said, some fell along rocky ground. Those on rocky ground receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. How do you develop root? How do you develop soil that, 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 that can grow roots and sustain roots? Scripture. Reading God's word. Spending your time and getting God's perspective on life. Understanding his principles and his desires for you. And that's why we, we put together that booklet. So that on a regular basis each day, and it's not a huge race through. It's actually very short segments each day. But just taking some time and beginning saying, God, what do you want to say to me today through this passage? And just read. And then on the notes section, just here's something God's talking to me about. But there's something about taking in God's word that, that, that kind of gets the rocks out. And it gives a place for, for God, his word to take root. And then the giving. He said there's a third type of soil. 
It's, it's the seed that fell along thorns. It stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's what? Worries, riches, and pleasure. We talked about earlier. Those are the things that choke us. They'll choke the spiritual life out of you because it represents your trust. It represents your confidence. And that's why the giving aspect is so important. That's why we chose those three as the disciplines for this new year for you. Because they address the different types of soil that could be possible in your heart. And giving helps weed the garden. It's one of those disciplines. In fact, let me ask you, what do you worry about more than anything else? Money. More than anything else. It's the one thing we worry about Across the board, the one thing we worry about most, and Jesus says right here, why? Because the worries of rich and riches and pleasures, those are the things that choke out your connection with God. They get in the way. And God wants you to trust in Him. So those disciplines help prepare the soil. They make the conditions for God's Word to take root and begin to grow in you. It's the strongest competition for my heart is my money. So if I'm going to give God my heart, I need to give Him my money. Here's the third dynamic. You may not see immediate results. You probably will not see immediate results, but God is still faithfully at work. There's one more thing that's consistent in both of these stories. There is a mystery to it. See, there, there are certain things that you could do. The seed has to be planted for it to really take root and grow. You got to plant seed or it does no good. You got to put the yeast into the dough or it does no good. There is something you got to do, but there's also a part of it that is up beyond your control, that you have no control over whatsoever. You can't plant that seed and make it grow. It happens mysteriously. You, you can prepare the soil, you can water it, you can do all of those things, but there is something to the growth that is way beyond your control. Same thing with the yeast. You can't put yeast in dough, work it in there, and then try to take it out afterwards. It, it happens. And, and it's a picture of the Holy Spirit, because that's what the Spirit of God does. When we give ourselves to this, when we keep our soil of our hearts well prepared, there is something that God does in the mix that is beyond our control. It's the mystery part of it. The mustard seed grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. The yeast mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. You can't see it happening. A lot of the growth of that seed happens long before the first shoot comes through the ground. It germinates, starts sending out a root system. All that happens without being seen. It's a long time before the first sprout comes out. Same thing with the yeast. There's a time in which it rises. If you sit there and try to watch bread rise, it's a long process. But it does rise. There is an unseen aspect to growth. And that's God's part in all of it. You won't always see immediate results. That doesn't mean God isn't working. You're not going to see immediate results. That doesn't mean something isn't happening. You don't drink a glass of milk and suddenly feel like your bones are stronger. Right? You don't, you don't eat spinach. I... When I was a kid and my mom wanted to get me to eat spinach and she would talk about, but look at Popeye. Popeye ate spinach, you know, and I ate spinach and it wasn't like Popeye. You know, Popeye take one bite, boom, you know, he's buff. I ate spinach and nothing happened. 
That's why I don't eat spinach anymore. Because <laughs> you don't see the results right away. It is, it is something that happens over time with the discipline. You eat healthy. You drink healthy. You, ha- you become healthy. See, you don't always see the results right away. That doesn't mean something isn't happening. It's a confident trust that God is at work in my life. Every time I pray, God is at work. You may not be getting the answer to your prayer, but every time you pray, God is at work. Every time you open scripture, God is at work. You may read something and say, I got nothing out of that, but God is at work. Every time you open scripture, every time you pray, every time you give, God is at work. You don't see the results often right away, but God is at work. And you need to understand that dynamic, otherwise you'll give up. Otherwise you'll say, nothing's happening. It's just simply trusting that as I do what God has instructed me to do, He's going to take care of the rest. It's the work of His grace in you. Grace doesn't mean I sit back and just let it happen. Grace means I embrace it and I do whatever I can to make it a bigger part of my life. How much faith do you need? Another seed story. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. How much faith do you need? Just enough to take the next step. That's how it happens. That's the dynamic. That's what Jesus is saying here. God is for you. He delights in watching you grow. He wants to. He's doing everything he can to make that happen. And you can't make it happen all by yourself. But there are some things that you can do. Some disciplines that you can build. Some intentionality you can build into it. And then, and then you let God do his thing. And when he does, your life is changed. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 